Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Oh, I almost forgot. We're supposed to play a commercial, aren't we? Yeah, do it. Oh, okay, here we go. Do it. You know, do it. when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. But other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. I just like to point out that when you pay for a 30 second sponsorship, Peyton always gives you a minute 10. You get so much more. You do. You really do. Magazine. I'm just saying. And it's like it wasn't scripted at all. It, it's like it. Kind of. No, not even remotely. So yeah. I know on this episode of the Church Planner podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit of Star Wars. If you're no, hoping- no, no. This is the annual. Now that there's a Star Wars movie every year. Pete and I have done an annual, it's become now an annual Star Wars episode. 
this is that episode. There will be no talk of church planting there, on this episode. Yeah, if you're looking for church planting goodness, um, unfortunately, there's there's not any on this one. Uh, we're going to dive into Star Wars. I don't even know that we can make an hour talk out of it. Oh, oh yes, we can. Listen, I w- after I got home, I did a tirade of the equivalent of your mama one-liner tags for this movie. I will say this. Your uh, your comment in our prayer to God before we started the podcast was comical because at the end of the prayer and you go, and God, please help them get something out of our podcast because they sure didn't get anything out of that Star Wars movie. Yes, and by the time I was ending that prayer, it it had reached a crescendo <laughs> akin to yelling. So there is a little bit of passion in this episode. I'm just saying. But before we get to that, we actually do have a couple of serious things to hit on. Um, you know, uh, mixed mixed uh, happiness and sadness all at the same time. Uh, Peyton, why don't, you, why don't you share that? So this is reverse smack talk, and we figured the best way – and what I mean by reverse smack talk is normally we start off and we're – you know, we, we, we mess around. And then the rest of the podcast, we give you some church planning, you know, goodness. But today's going to be the opposite. What we're going to do today is we're going to honor two men who walked with God, who went home this past week. And uh, and then we're going to just blow the rest of the time on Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, but but you'll thank us for it because we're going to save you like 15 bucks. And if you got a big family, potentially like eighty five dollars just depends. And all the popcorn. <clears throat> that's it. And I added tax in for you. I didn't count the condiments because I don't know if you're church planners, you can't afford popcorn and, and soda at the movie theater. So don't worry about it. Pete, they, you haven't walked this road. Obviously you don't know the struggle. They they can get popcorn or go to the movie. What are you talking about? I've well, not by boat inner circle guys. I mean, they can Dude, afford it all. You... They can look to the people next. Hey, you want some popcorn? <laughs> you know, my story. I've been down that road before. <laughs> I know, I'm teasing. I don't want to so, go down it again. That's right. That's right. In fact, it made the man that you see today. So, I'm, I'm just more disappointed that I don't get to share gun news today because apparently. I know. I know. I know. But you can that. talk about what you picked up on on the firearms of the characters in the movie. Yeah, that what they were modeled after. Yeah, that's actually how I look at movies now. <laughs> I lean over to Jamie. I go, oh, he's doing a SIG. Oh, he's got a Glock. <laughs> So, first off, let me let me honor two men today. Um, number one, uh, we lost Don Overstreet. Don Overstreet is not only a friend; uh, he's a friend of this podcast. We've had he and his son on. I believe we've had Don on twice, right? At least twice, maybe even yeah. three times. I'm not sure. And I introduced him as the man I wanted to be when you grow when up. I grow up. And 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 basically, you know, what I want to be when I grow up is is someone who is dedicated to church planning, dedicated to investing in others, dedicated to serving church planners. Don Overstreet was a guy who did that. Now, he started off going to, uh, at 18 years old, given his life to mission, and he never looked back. He went as a missionary to St. Vincent in the Caribbean, and he, uh, you know, he basically planted a church there. Um, and it, it now has planted about six or seven other churches. Um, it's massive. It's got a huge building now, but I mean, it was like they met in a chicken coop. They were telling all the stories at the funeral 
And Don was, we, we called him the Don, you know, like the Godfather, like the Don of church planning, or we called him Don the Baptist because none of us were Baptists. And the way I got to know Don, yeah, 50 years, he mentors over 500 church planters, right? He came back, planted another church. His grandparents were Baptists that start off in Kansas. And as they moved west, they kept planting churches, which is kind of like the lay, lay preacher Baptist uh, method of church planting that Ed Stetzer talks about uh, in planting missional churches and viral churches. There's a history there, and there was a legacy uh, from the Overstreet family, and it's passed down to, uh, to, to Kirk Overstreet as well. He's the son of Don, or Don Rides Again, <coughs> or the second part of the O Street Boys. And basically, uh, Don, man, I'm telling you, we went to this funeral. I told Kirk beforehand, I said, just make sure it's a big place because there are going to be a ton of people there. And there was, there was a packed out room. It was set for Ukaipa. Don had really hooked up the, uh, the biker, uh, church communities with, um, support through North American Mission Board. He was, um, all over LA, the last time I spent with Don was about six months ago, and we walked the streets of Skid Row. Um, he was the guy that he listened to the heartbeat of the city, man. He knew the pulse of Los Angeles, and he had started a charity called LA Reaching LA, and it was basically about churches mobilizing them to reach Los Angeles to go into the poorest neighborhoods. He wrote multiple books. Uh, one is called uh, Reaching the City. And in that book, he starts off talking about how he took a pastor to, you know, a neighborhood in L.A. And the pastor just was unsettled. And like, I've been in no way equipped to minister in, an, in a neighborhood or community like this. And Don writes, sadly, this pastor's church was a mile and a half away. Hmm. Right. It was just. And so Don was very much like he was the, like you always wondered, like, how did you not die? Right. Because he he looked like Bill Gates. As nerdy as all get out, I'll never forget the first time I met him. He he confessedly said, "I am a nerd. I am a total nerd." Um, guy was a book reading animal, super smart, but super down to earth. Ate junk food like there was no tomorrow. Um, survived a liver transplant, multiple bouts with cancer, and um, like I said, he has left a legacy of people. But the best legacy was when his family got up there and said, you guys all know uh, Don, the the gospel minister, the street walker, the um, you name it, you know, church planning mentor. What you don't know is Don the dad, Don the family man. And they just told story after story. And it, none of it was surprising, you know. It, it, his daughter did say, one thing you don't know is he could cuss with vigor. Really? And everyone, everyone started laughing. And then she goes, I can't tell you how many times I heard the word dad gummit growing up, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, is kind of funny because, uh, the other day Pete and I were trying to get this podcast off the ground on Friday and my laptop was not doing it. And so I'm in my office right now, but Pete had to play me the Calm down, ding, diddly, ding, diddly. They did the best, which is, you know, what we like to call Baptist cussing. So I remember watching the video right before we uh, had him on the podcast, and it was a video of uh, it could have been that island that you just mentioned that he planted a church. He was there somewhere down there in that area of the world, and uh, he spent the night 
in a dude's cell who uh, was being executed the next day. And they just spent the night praying and singing. And I was just like, dude, how crazy is that? Yeah. Like, he knows what's going to happen to him. The dude knows what's going to happen to him. And you're like, look, I'm just going to spend the night you know, with you. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. We're going to worship God all night long until your execution. I mean, that to me, I was like, I don't even know what to think, you know? Like, yeah. just, wow. I don't, yeah. I don't know that I could do that, you know? Yeah. That's, well, you, you probably could. I don't know. You, when, when I had my dog euthanized, I just had to leave. I, I, I was going to say you, well, you, you saw Wind River. Yeah. You but know what to do what if, Yeah, but, You got the skills. But imagine, okay, look, if it's a friend, <laughs> that's one thing. I mean, you know, like a friend, friend, but it's another one. It's like, dude, man, that's tough. Man, you know what's going to happen to that guy. It, it was crazy too. Here's a, here's a funny little story about Don. He, uh, when he was in St. Vincent, there was this lady that had all these kids and, um, she was like a single mom and, um, tongues wagged when he kind of got friendly, you know, not friendly with her, but you know what I mean? Like was inviting her over to the church. And, um, anyways, her kids start coming to the church and she's, he goes and picks them up, you know, and brings them back. And this is on a Caribbean Island where, like I said, they're, they're like meeting in a swept out, cleaned out chicken coop, uh, outside in the chicken coop. That was all they had. And so, you know, he, anyways, the kids stopped coming one week and he goes over and says, Hey, uh, is everything okay? Like you guys are here every week. And she said, well, the kids told me you're serving them Kool-Aid. And of course the whole thing had just, this is like in the seventies. I think it was like 1977, the whole Jim Jones thing with the mass Kool-Aid for yeah. suicide had just happened. The cult, those of you that aren't old enough to know what I'm talking about, there was a, Read a history uh, book. Yeah, there was a there was a, a cult massacre where Jim Jones proclaimed to be the Messiah, took them all down to Guyana and made them drink suicide. And so that hit the news. So he had to promise them no more Kool-Aid. I promise. No, I won't give them any more Kool-Aid. And uh, so anyways, he stopped serving Kool-Aid. But anyways, all those kids, every single one of those kids, like three or four kids is now in ministry. Wow. And the church, of course, exploded. But I'm telling you, what was more amazing than anything else was Don Overstreet's heart yeah. and tireless, unrelenting commitment to church planning. Don absolutely believed with all of his heart that the fastest way to get the gospel out was to plant churches. Yeah. The, the other thing about Don is something that, um, oh, and this is kind of cool. This is really touching. Kirk went through uh, Don's library, and the guy read probably about, you know, 10 to 15 books a month. Um, but he had on his armchair, uh, reaching the unreached and he, uh, he, that's because his trash was full, but don't take it. You know, <laughs> you, you had to take that moment from me, didn't you? I did. But, but <laughs> I, I saw wind river. I had to take the moment. <laughs> and, uh, but he was giving it out like crazy and, um, he was just, yeah, he was just so, uh, he was amazing, and Don Overstreet, and we'll we'll probably post uh, um, on the Church Planner Magazine Facebook. We got a video clip that uh, is from the guy down in um, St. Vincent talking about Don and his legacy at the church that Don planted all those years ago. So, uh, anyways, we're gonna shift gears from there. Honor Don, and uh, I want to talk about the second 
incredible man of God that went home. Um, R.C. Sproul. Hmm. Sproul as in soul, not sprow as in growl, as he used to say with a laugh. R.C. Sproul was hands down the number one Christian thinker of our generation. Um, I say our generation because I came to know R.C.'s writings, gosh, back in 1989. Um, so what is that, like 30 years almost? And um, he is absolutely... Um, he was unrelenting in his, <coughs> excuse with me. He was unrelenting in his approach to reform theology. Now, I, I don't always agree with everything that RC said, but I gotta say, if there was ever a guy who unashamedly believed what he believed and get, didn't give a rip what you thought about it, it was R.C. Sproul. There's a great YouTube video clip of R.C. at a conference. And I went to many a Legionnaire conference in my day. I was a regular um, uh, subscriber to Tape of the Month, um, Table Talk uh, for years and probably close to 15 years. Sorry, I'm sick. So, But what I do want to say is that there's a clip on YouTube of R.C. Basically, uh, he says something like, hey. Um, he, he reads a question because he always did Q and A's at his conference. What's wrong with you people? Oh, that's the best. This is what's wrong with the church today. And then the glasses come down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, preacher thug life comes down and puts glasses on him, and it and it was basically <clears throat> somebody asking about you know how can God be fair and you know blah 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 and. And it was just great because what he does before he says that is he outlines how much God had to absolutely humble himself to <laughs> save us when we were undeserving, rebellious creatures. And that's where, yeah, that's where he lets fly that. What's wrong with you people? And it was the second so, question. Why is the punishment that? so harsh if he's loving? <laughs> It's yeah, so it was something harsh. like that. It? He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> A holy God in this creature that came from the dirt. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he just. Right. Yeah. And, and what's really cool was that he was, you know, his thing wasn't necessarily, believe it or not, reformed theology. That wasn't his passion. His passion was not that you believed in predestination or Calvinism. His passion was that people would know the holiness of God. And if you have never, I don't care if you, you know, Chosen by God was a masterpiece he put together. Um, but if you want to listen to something incredible that he wrote um, or, or a series lecture, I, I think it's kind of like the definitive R.C. Sproul. It's a series called The Holiness of God. Um, and if you really want to understand who R.C. Sproul was, pick that up. You could not um, actually be an atheist. And, uh, you know, there was an atheist recently close to me who posted on uh, R.C. Sproul. And I had a phone. I actually let him know, hey, R.C., because we had talked a lot about R.C. And I said, hey, I just want to let you know R.C. Sproul has gone home, um, this and that. And it, 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 I'll, I'll read to you what he what he wrote. This was his tribute because he posted. He said, this is disappointing to me. 
My friends may be surprised to know I admired this guy, but that's because they confuse my atheism with God-hating. The two concepts are diametrically opposed to each other, as you can't hate something that doesn't exist. However, to not understand the theology of the religion that is so intertwined in our culture is nothing short of willful ignorance. And if you want to learn, this is the guy to go to. So many Christians are a bunch of wishy-washy, babbling morons with no more understanding of their own faith than I have had in jet propulsion systems of the Starship Enterprise. But this guy was a great critical thinker. In my opinion, the last of an era. I always enjoyed listening to him break down the tenets of the faith, leaving me with that, well, no crap moment. He tied concepts together and then broke them apart again. So you could see that they've been consistently applied from one end of the Old Testament to the other end. Sheer brilliance. As an atheist, I have no substantial bit of evidence to support an afterlife existence. The best I can ever hope for is to leave my mark on the world and to create a legacy that lives on in the minds of those who survived me. And I think Sproul nailed that. That's from an atheist. Mm. You know, Sproul was just an amazing thinker, an amazing witness. So anyways, <coughs> with that, there's there's a lot more I can say. But what I will say is I learned a piper uh, through Sproul. Sproul had a way of um, acquiring uh, friends that were impacting. Same with uh, Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll and he were uh, nearly best friends. Um, there's a lot you can read. I posted something about Sproul. Sproul started off ministering to college students. That was he was student ministry. That's why Legionnaires is primarily an educational ministry to the average Christian. So you could do far worse than getting involved with R.C. Sproul. I actually uh, started um, really. I I would say a lot of my theological training um, before I went to seminary. When I first went to Wales, I sat on a conveyor line in a factory and, with a headphone in. And believe it or not, a Sony Discman. Remember the Sony Discman, Pete? That's old school. That tells, that tells you how long ago that was. A Sony Discman and the CDs of the month. When I did started doing factory work, man, I went blazed through those CDs. I had years worth of CD and tape of the month. And, uh, and I listened to those. Nonstop, and I will tell you to a, a, a big degree, R.C. Sproul laid a huge foundation of a love of God, a belief in the rationality of Christianity, and a uh, commitment to the holiness of God. So I, I need to thank him for that. I'm done. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move into our next uh, uh, segment of the podcast, I believe you have an appropriate sponsor. Well, being that we are talking about movies today, this is very much appropriate. I have a sponsor. You know, here's the deal, guys. You could meet in the movie theater. Right now, if I were going to be meeting in a movie theater, I would be tempted to do some stuff around Star Wars. But I don't now know if I could bring myself to do it. Obviously, the struggle is real. I'm feeling it in my heart. But... People are flocking. This was the second box office record, second biggest weekend ever. Everyone flocked to church. Matinees were packed out even. Um, theaters were absolutely packed to the gills of people wanting to come and see this movie. Where better to be than in a movie theater where the traffic is? After all, we talk about Paul going where the traffic was. Well, you can go to Regal Cinemas and find out how you can get your church to start meeting in the movie theater on a Sunday morning. They'll charge you rent, 
but you'll have access to the theater at a time right before people are going to be flooding in. So if you want to check that out, go to corporateboxoffice.com forward slash theater, that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E dash church. I love their URL. <laughs> it's so easily uh, communicated. It's a handle. It's uh, it's so easy to grasp. All right. It's now time. What is thy bidding, my master? That you burn that movie. Okay, so l- let's recount a little story for you here. I went and saw it Thursday. I saw it again on Saturday. I had to take Luke. Um, Thursday. I text to Peyton right before it starts. Ray gave birth to herself, which little did I know was going to be the best text I could ever give <laughs> on Star Wars. She almost did, though. I thought, okay, by the way, guys, there are massive spoilers. Oh, yeah. We're, do not. We're saving you the money. We don't actually want you to go watch this yeah, horrid movie. It, if you go watch it now, Rian Johnson, the director of this film, will think he did a great job. I read an article of him responding to the backlash, and he goes, well, you know, 75% of my tweets you know, were actually positive. So I, I take it in a good way. There's always going to be haters. I'm thinking, no, it was your birthday yesterday. So people like me didn't want to trash you on your birthday. But there is a reckoning coming. Vengeance is mine. Uh, I I won't blaspheme. Sorry. (laughs) I better just leave this scripture out. Okay. I'm taking my church planner hat off now. I am just Peyton Jones, Star Wars fan of 40 years. This is the 40th year anniversary. How could you do this on our anniversary, baby? That's what I'm saying. So Friday, Peyton texts me. No, he calls me and he's like, how could you not call me? How could you not text me after you saw the movie? I thought we were friends. And all I could say to him was, Mama always said, if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say anything at all. Which made me excited because I think, ooh, I'm going to like this movie if Pete didn't like it. And and I even say that. I go, now you and I are totally different, so you might actually like it. It was so bad. So bad. So I actually found respect for Lucas that I thought had been gone. Since the yeah. original trilogy. Oh, oh yeah. I'm in oh, your yeah. your text after you saw it Sunday. I'm going to read this. <clears throat> this is what you texted me. What did they do? They made the prequels look like Oscar winning masterpieces with this piece of crap. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> dying when I'm reading that. I'm like, wow, he nailed it in one sentence. You made the prequels look like good movies. Oh it, it, man. It it was so bad on so many levels. On like so, so many, many, dude. Like, okay, besides the fact that the story wasn't even there, to me, okay, did we just decide that we're going to, like, take everything that we've, <coughs> we know about the Star Wars universe and just forget about it? Because let me start off at the very beginning. Okay, when the dreadnoughts or, or the dreadnoughts there and they're they're sending the bombers over it. Here was the problem with that whole scene for me. She can breathe in space. Yeah. There's they open the bomb bay doors. 
And there's no like force field. She's just breathing. Yeah, but like, did they decide to do that after she had passed away? Because she was no, like no, no, frozen. Not her. Not like her. She, not, not her. Oh, oh, oh. No, no. Oh. No, I'm talking the bombing of the dreadnought. Oh, right. Yes, I know. I was thinking the same thing. And secondly, I'm like, there's no gravity in space. Right. You let the bombs go. They're going to float away. They're not going to go down. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is stupid. <laughs> I, I, I was like, and and then when she knocks the control button, you're like, hey, she's hey, Rian it. Johnson, science. You have to be consistent, right? You can't just like all of a sudden, hey, they can roll down the window on the X-Wing and like yell at their buddy across the way. <laughs> I was like, what? What? Okay, why didn't she just get back up and crawl up the ladder? Instead, she's like taking forever to kick this thing. Dude, you got to drop the bombs. You get your butt up. You get up the ladder. You press the button. She couldn't. I, I was like, this doesn't even make any sense to me. Right. If there's a hatch open, she's going to be floating around inside of it. She's not going to be able to kick the ladder to have, you know, to make something fall as if zero gravity just ceased to exist. She's laying on her back and it falls down beside her. And then all of a sudden she's on her stomach and she's caught in in her hand. I'm like, (laughs) she didn't flip at any point. There was no flipping. It's just. So this was another problem is perspective. You know, the, the, there were these creatures, which don't even get me started on the whole Rose Finn story arc that could have been completely chopped from the movie. We'll, we'll talk about that. But they have to insert this animal rights, compassion piece into the movie, which, hey, I'm all for animal rights, but keep it to a documentary about animal rights or a movie that's not called Star Wars, right? I don't need you to make your pol- political statements in my Star Wars movie, right? Um, it, here's the deal. These creatures went from one shot to the next from being six foot tall to being 10 foot tall. And this is bugging the crap. Their heads became twice the size of my head to four times the size of my head, depending on what shot I'm looking at. Then Yoda's ears. Oh, my gosh. Even were my eight-year-old daughter they were noticed. Awful. Yoda's ears kept changing size, shape, alignment. They were bent over permanent. You know, sometimes Yoda has the permanent bent in the in in his ears in the concept art. These ears were not moving. But each time they showed a shot of him, one ear was super small, one ear was super big. Both ears were big in the next shot, and one was flopped over. One wasn't. I'm I'm telling you, there was there was the laziest amount of editing and directing on this film i've just about ever seen well the best part to me with that whole yoda thing because you and i were talking and you said something about yoda (coughs) this is before you'd seen it and i go oh wait till you see the scene with yoda no no, here's what you said you go oh don't even get me because i said something about yoda not realizing he's in the film and you go oh don't even get me started on yoda and when I'm watching Yoda, literally, it's supposed to be the moment where you're like, oh, like you're mystically, you know, like you're going to float off into the air and you're so excited that Yoda's here talking to Luke. And again, and, you know, every every line was poorly delivered, you know, like Yoke turns around kind of like, 
oh, hey, Mark, you know, like on the, the disaster. He turns around like, oh, hey, Yoda. Like, are you kidding me? Like, just like, oh, hey, Yoda, you know, you're here. And then, and then Yoda, when they show this shot of him, I literally laughed out loud. And that was my testimony during this whole movie is the guys next to me obviously were really into this film. And I could tell I was irritating them because I kept laughing at the wrong times. He, he looked like Buddha. It was bad. He was just, he was, his CGI was so bad that it was like Yoda's fat cousin. It was like Yoda had become he's been, Buddha. He's been eating a lot in the afterlife. He no, had another not neck. Only that. He had another neck. I tell you, I will never walk into a Chinese restaurant and look at that shrine by the door on the counter the same ever again. Every time now, I'll think Star Wars. Thanks. Well, and then all of a sudden, the dead Yoda brings down lightning to burn up the tree. Right? Yeah, with a, with his little finger. He just points with his finger. He's dead. He's dead, everybody. <laughs> dead. I, right. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I don't know if you noticed this. As, as Barry said, though, Yoda went all church zero on the Jedi religion. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not giving you a cha-ching for that. That was Barry. Oh, my gosh. Well, the thing is, I don't know if you noticed this because I didn't notice it until the second time I saw Star Wars. When I saw it on Saturday because I had to take Luke to go see it. He really wanted to see it. Now, in all fairness, it was way better the second time. I mean, way better. It had probably something to do I with the fact. I heard that. I heard that. It probably had something to do with the fact that I slept two hours of it. So, I mean, it was a lot better. I woke up just in time for the very end of the movie. The last 10 minutes are gold. They are gold. That was a great way. I will give them this. Okay. So I did, No, 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 no. Before we go there, because I don't want to go there yet. Okay. I don't know if you noticed this. It, maybe you did, because you pick up on this stuff. But Luke had already taken the books out of the tree and stuck them on the Falcon. He did? Yeah. I didn't notice it until the second time I watched oh. it. At the end, Finn opens a drawer. There's the books. And he put something in there, took it out. It was when they're, like, leaving the uh, the salt planet. So I'm thinking, well, then what was the whole big hubbub about <clears throat> I'm going to burn the tree. You knew you already took the books out and stuck them on the Falcon. That makes that whole scene even stupider. Like, right. what? <laughs> and now you Yoda burns up the right tree. Did, did he not realize you taking them out? Were you trying to fool Yoda? What? What? Oh, man, this is so good. I wish people could see your face right now. There were gesticulating hand motions, your face turning beet red, veins popping out of the forehead. I'm just like, don't mess with the gospel and don't mess with Star Wars. I'm, Are you okay. getting this? Now, now let's go around to Rose and Finn. Ugh. What the heck? Worst part of the movie, Rose was an unnecessary character. Well, okay. So was the chick with the purple hair. Okay. But stick to Rose. Wait, wait a second here. Um, let, let me see if I can recap this. You, the mighty empire can't catch this ship because it's too light and too fast. Yet it can't seem to make any ground and get any further away from you. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, Your yeah. TIE fighters. Apparently, you, you know, you, you want to save manpower for the first time in the 
the entire evil empire of First Order's history? Yeah. You keep sending your fighters after them. This is, but wait, we can still get off and we can go hide in a, in a spaceship that no one else will notice. I don't know why we don't just get everyone on escape pods and make them all leave. Man, because we can leave. Thing. You you said it when before I had seen it, you go, the whole movie is a giant slow motion chase scene. Yeah. And that is so well put. That's exactly what it is. They're trying to get away. What 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 amazing it's a slow s- slow car speed chase. That's oh, all and, it was. And the Star Destroyers, by the way, don't know how to fire. They don't know how to fire on ships. Oh, no. They at just all. sit there in the distance, just going whoop a they don't they don't fire like Star Destroyers were terrifying in our day. Hence because the name, they weren't the Death Star. Star but, Destroyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you don't mess with apparently uh Rian Johnson thinks Star Destroyers are merely aircraft carri- carriers for TIE fighters. Apparently. Yeah. They they don't do anything other than send out TIE fighters. Oh my gosh, dude. I it was one colossal just what is going on? The whole we can leave, go to this other planet, and mind you, get back to you, but the Empire can't go about 500 feet to catch you, yeah. or the First Order. I'm like, this. Yeah. Is, what? I don't- so, I mean, Rian Johnson actually out Star Trek J.J. Abrams with this movie. <laughs> like, J.J. Abrams... Fair play to him. He came in and he made a Star Wars movie as the Star Trek director. This guy came in and made a Star Trek movie out of a Star Wars film like that. Really, that's how that. And I said, you know what? This guy, I I went through a whole bunch of tweets. I said they were kind of like the equivalent of your mama. It was that film um, because I couldn't even I couldn't even Pete. And 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 I said that that film may have successfully turned me into a Trekkie. All I know is I honestly do not care about episode nine at all. Oh, well, dude, here's I don't what I care believe. about the Han Solo movie. I don't care about a supposed Bubba Fett movie. I don't care about any of them anymore. It literally ruined Star Wars for me. And I'm like, you're dead to me. You're Did dead you to just me. Call him Bubba Fett. What is he I, Bubba now? Bubba? Yeah, he's Bubba. Bubba. Fett. He ain't Bubba. <laughs> he's Bubba. Yeah, we're tight. So, so here, here's, let me read you some of my, my, my tweets. That movie was the spark that will light the fire that brings Star Wars to an end. And uh, I also put, that movie was Banthapudu. Just want to keep it the vocabulary. Don't that movie that. answered. <coughs> that movie answered no significant questions in the story, yet raised significant ones about the story of where Star Wars is going. The backhanded meta-message of the film to 40-year fans let go of the past and look to the future, quote, of the franchise. It's what you did with the present that concerns me. And by the way, that was the meta message. What he was telling the fans of 40 years was stop looking to the path. Look to the future now. We're taking that to the future. Um, no, uh, Star Wars was our, our – we cut our teeth on it. It was our, our toys. It was our movies. It defined our generation we're not holding on to the past. We dig all the good stuff that comes out like Rebels cartoon and Clone Wars and, hey, we'll embrace it if it's good. I embrace seven, but you made a crap film. You you really trash. You had the opportunity to make the Empire Strikes Back yeah. of the new trilogy. You had the – it was all set up perfectly for you. We could have had reveals. We had no significant reveals. Literally I, I nothing was revealed. I don't believe uh, Kylo Ren's on who Ray was. Nope. 
He's lying. I don't know that he was lying. I just don't know that he knew. Yeah, he was manipulating her. Yeah, he definitely was manipulating yeah. her. And and uh, here's here's another one. If he keeps going like this, Last Jedi should be the last Star Wars. And then I put that movie was our last hope. And then I quoted, "No, there is another." <laughs> I'm just hoping JJ brings it back, baby. That's all. Look, here's the thing. Um, Rogue One was an excellent movie. Excellent. You know why? Because it was an adult Star Wars film. They made that for adults. That's why you liked it. I liked it because it was good. It was good. And but it was age appropriate to you. The fact this that movie, they had to go back and save Rogue One, they realized they'd done it wrong. They went back to tons of reshoots before they released it. Remember all the stuff that they showed in the original trailer that wasn't in the final because they changed so much of the story. Did no one watch this movie before they released it? Did right. no one go, oh, we need to <coughs> <clears throat> Sorry, guys, man. It's a it's a cold day here on the Church Minor Podcast, and we're a bit emotional. Let's did, be honest, we're emotional. Did You've no one us, realize? Ryan. You've hurt us bad. They needed to Rogue One that movie. They needed to go back and reshoot it. Oh my <laughs> gosh! So so here's the thing, too, right? Like people were asking me, like, are you going to go see it a second time? It's better a second time. That is a very terrible antidote. To what hurts me? Oh, it it hurt really bad when you cut yourself. Just put a knife deeper in the wound. Yeah, cut it again, and it'll feel better. Yeah, the I love, first I, cut won't hurt so bad. I love how you get a little bit of a a little bit of a, a slur there, and you kind of go in the childish voice. I love that. <laughs> well, because I see this, I do see it. Someone called me old on Facebook. <clears throat> they made me the old guy who doesn't want the new ways. I do. I think seven was amongst the top. I, I honestly yeah, think good. seven it was good. Seven was like maybe one. I, I seven was worthy of the Star Wars name. Not only worthy, but I actually put it up there with Empire. It delivered a powerful punch. Didn't have wasted lines. And and here's the thing: in this movie, there was so much wasted scenes. The sets were bland. There were wasted throwaway lines. My favorite being when the guy looks down, like when you first see the snow footprints, yeah. he looks down, puts his finger in it, puts it to his mouth and goes, salt. Yeah. I read <laughs> one like, commentator. Really? Is that the creative? That's the most creative way you can tell us this was made of just a guy putting it to his mouth, unknown character. And he goes, salt. Some commentator. But I goes, laughed. Some commentator goes, thank you, guy, for testing it and telling us it was salt. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. So I wasn't the only one because I oh, laughed no. out loud. I kept laughing out loud at parts because it was so ridiculous. I told you if I wasn't crying with disappointment, I was laughing with the absurdity of how bad it was. Yeah. Like it was just a bad movie. One that was I've one never, of my quotes was – One thing I hey, never understood in the Star Wars world because I didn't understand it on Hoth and I didn't understand it here with the uh, the Darth uh, uh, Death Star tech, you know, the big uh, – Whatever they called it, the the thing that was going to shoot the door on the planet. Why do you guys land that stuff so far away from where you're trying to get it to? <laughs> I've never understood that. It's like you're coming down from space. Just you know, just park it where you want and then blow the door off. It, it just That's a good point. Never made any sense to me. Even on Hoth, it never made sense to me. I, I didn't. I didn't get it. You know, the only part during that scene when Finn is racing towards the battering ram cannon. Which is weird. That's just weird. But anyway, so he's racing towards the bed. They just happen to have one of those with him. They're like, oh, before they even get down there, they're like, 
Hey, everybody, we got the, the – they ruined the ad-ats, by the way. They were stupid. Hey, let's what change did, those. What did you not like about them? Just the way they looked? Fat legs. Gave them fat legs. Well, they did the fat legs that way they couldn't tie the cords around them and trip them. Oh, well, to see if they had explained that. That would be kind of – I mean, you could have had that dialogue. Someone saying <laughs> – Well, yeah, it probably would have been the same guy with the saying, dang it, if they hadn't given them fat legs. <laughs> We could have put a cord around it. You would have had to run up to the ad-at, though, touched it, and stuck his finger in his mouth. Hmm, thick legs. <laughs> <laughs> or how about the scene? How about the scene when uh, – He's now called Rebel Taster. Rebel when Hux Taster is like, guy. I think you've done enough. And Kylo Ren, like, blows him. He, like, just force blows him away. And then the other guy's all, I'll lower you down right now. <laughs> Remember oh, that? And, and Rian Johnson decides, hey, you know that Kylo Ren helmet? It's really dumb. He looks so cool. When he doesn't have his helmet on, I'm going to have him in his very first scene smash his helmet to bits. Right. So we never have to go back to him being this Darth Vader-like character. Hey, great move. Because, you know, none of us like Darth Vader in the helmet. You know, we wish he was running around the whole movie as Egghead. It was one of the coolest helmets ever. I loved Kylo Ren's helmet. Absolutely. And the way he talked? Yeah. It it just was like – it was kind of like watching – a, a Metro man make a Star Wars film. A Metro – I'm sorry. I, I can't say it any other way. He's A Metro guy made a Star Wars film. It's like, I don't like that mask. It, it feels foreboding to me. It makes me uncomfortable. And and I just – I can't, Pete. I can't. Yeah. You know, what about, like – What about Snoke? Luke, Snoke Luke, oh, with the whole – Snoke was rad in episode seven. In this – you know what? You know what? You know what he was like in this? He was like Gollum, the Mount Doom survivor. Mm. You know, you threw him in the fire at the end of Lord of the Rings. You thought you killed him, but he came back all burnt up and with holes in him. And now he's like, yes, my precious. It it it, it was Gollum. Yeah. And in fact, wasn't it the same actor? <laughs> I Anthony <laughs> Circus, right? That's and then hilarious. his name, it, it was the same actor as Gollum. Like... You Snoke was rad in episode seven. Yeah. I, the whole, in this one, he was like a dirty old man. And then they kill him like that. Like, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, he can sense Kylo Ren's every thought except while he's turning the lightsaber to face him. He didn't notice that either in the well, corner of his eye because, or feel it in the force. No, because he was. He's like, see, he's turning the lightsaber to strike his true, his true target. And yeah, that's he's why he's a Sith Lord. He knows that at every opportunity, <laughs> his apprentice is trying to kill him. But oh, didn't see that one coming. Right. Yeah. And now he's turns on his lightsaber. Yeah. And then and then you know what could have been cool was his guards, Snoke's guards. Oh my gosh, wasted, wasted, wasted. wasted. First of all, he's dead now. If right. I'm a guard and you kill yes. my charge, <laughs> dude, I'm getting the heck out of Dodge, man. I ain't dying with you. What are you Not crazy? Only that, who are these guys? Are these guys, these guys were tougher than the two most powerful Jedi in the world. Right. They were tougher. They gave, they almost didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. I, I mean, in, in the choreography of those fight scenes, here's what I felt about every fight scene and every single, um, line of dialogue almost in the movie. Um, was it lacked punch. It lacked impact. So, for example, uh, most of the lines, um, were dumb. 
Um, they were going for this emotional impact and completely deflected mist. Um, and then the action scenes, like, I don't think I've seen a, a fight scene in Star Wars so poorly choreographed. Even, I'm even talking New Hope. Even in the New Hope, the scenes where stormtroopers are shooting and missing were still well done, right? The way that they were angled through hatches and shooting up across elevator shafts and Luke swinging across or Han Solo running after stormtroopers and the stormtroopers running back after him with him screaming down the corridor. They were, you know, the way that the lightsaber, even though it wasn't very action packed, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting through that opening and Luke being a witness and the stormtroopers sitting there and just staring in disbelief as they're watching Vader fight. There was just an emotional, it was just well done. It was well crafted, these scenes. And, uh, in this, it was, it just wasn't. You know, Luke's thing where he wiped the dust off, that was rad. I gotta say, we'll, we'll get to the end scene, cause I did appreciate that. Everything about that I like. I did, to a degree, to a degree. Um, but it needed to come way earlier in the movie. Luke, they made Luke, was, they, they made, they made Luke into a character that he was not. Right. I, I, I was so, I understand why Luke was like, or uh, Mark Hamill was like, yeah, he did everything wrong with Luke. <clears throat> Cause he did. Like from the second Ray gives him the lightsaber and he throws it over his shoulder. Right. I was like, what? Exactly. Every line that he had in that movie was misdirected. Yeah. It, it literally was like the thing that Luke would not say. And even Mark Hamill said, look, I played Luke. I think, you know, kind of delivering on his character over the years. I think I know him better than anybody. Um, I developed him on screen. So, uh, he kept saying, Luke wouldn't have done this. Luke wouldn't have acted this way. And, and what fascinated me was reading an article about Rian Johnson that when he comes in, he says, I had to figure out what Luke was doing on that island and to get into his head because nobody, no, Rian, that wasn't your job. Your job was not to get into his head. Your job was to talk to everyone else who wrote that. And put him on that island in the very beginning and figure it out and continue the story. Yeah. We didn't need you putting your millennial spin on it. Sorry, millennials. I'm not, I'm not against is you. Is he I'm a millennial? Just, I don't know who he is. Yeah. No, he's not a millennial. He just like, he made comments like this. Uh, PC is maybe the best way to put him. Uh, this is what he did. He, he decided. Now I love the fact that Disney and I, as a, as a father of girls, I think it's male characters. Um, Leia should have been our strong female character. We didn't need the throwaway commander coming in after her. We oh didn't my need, gosh. D- we didn't don't even get me going on her. That yeah, was awful. She was an absolute needless character. We did not need, in fact, <laughs> Leia should have been the one to go down with the ship, right? That is what, I mean, if you know anything about naval history, captain always goes down with the ship. We could have lost Leia in an honorable way where Leia sacrificed herself. But, hey, you know, that's cool, Rian. You kept everyone who was dead alive and everyone who's alive dead. Cool. Yeah, but Have see, fun I, with that I, in the third movie. I don't think that they knew that she was going to die, right? It, it doesn't matter. Leah, Leah literally, out of all the care, I would easily have kept Han and Luke and lost Leah. Leah is not that big of a part of yeah. the story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so anyways... Here's here's the deal with with uh, the women thing. 
I'm I'm all for having the lead characters in both Rogue One and Seven be women. Ray is I almost think Ray is cooler than Luke, right? There's just so much mm, about Ray in yeah. in Seven that she was such a rad character. I was like, I kind of like her better seven, than Luke. Certainly not in this one. In eight, she's terrible. She, she like she hardly is even in the film in eight. And in number and so here's the thing. But he made this comment recently when they give him the next trilogy he's creating. Shudder. Um, they they said because they're giving him the next trilogy. Next trilogy. So about he makes the comment of what? That they're Star giving Wars. him the next Star Wars trilogy. Star Wars. Why? Disney's going to make yet another. Oh yeah, they're making another. And Rian Johnson. See, JJ will come back and close this one. And the role that JJ played, where he opens the first and produces the next, Rian says, we'll see exactly what happens. But yes, that will be the plan. They're handing me the Star Wars films. So he will take this. And what he has said is, I would love to see a woman director. Now, look, I don't care if we have a woman president, if she's the best person for the job. I don't care if we have a woman Star Wars director, if she is the best director for that picture. But when you start making statements like that, that you just think it would be neat to have a woman director, director, I think it would be neat to have a dwarf named Julio as the next director. It doesn't matter if they're under four foot ten or not. What matters is they're a good director. So, uh, right away, it tells me that what he's going for is not a good Star Wars film. Yeah. He's got a whole other, you know, like I said, he's throwing animal rights in there. I'm all for animal rights. I, I'm not an animal. I didn't testing. care about the animal rights part. I really didn't. It, but that whole story was so poorly done. Well, you're right. You're right. Because the side arc like, was so poorly done. Oh, because we let them free on an island that they're going to be able to get them back in about 10 minutes. It was worth it. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. He makes, he makes his point. He got all in that. He got animal rights. He got rich people were evil. Shout out to Bernie Sanders. He got, um, yeah. And you can only uh, make money off of war. Oh, and making money off war. The war is all about making money. So those three things. Were, which, by the way, is not accurate. Hitler was not in it to make money, right? That's not why Hitler went to war. Um, Kim Jong-un is not doing what he's doing because he wants to make a bunch of money doing it. Um, it, it your worldview, sir, is not correct. And I love it when people that have these weird worldviews brush up against reality in history because it doesn't fit your theories. So... All that kind of stuff to me is just because I'm a fan of history. I'm a student of, you know, I read, you know, it, it, it's just not true. It sounds yeah. great. It's wonderful in a soundbite, but it's not true. Yeah. You know, okay. So the final scene with Luke Skywalker, I didn't realize it was a force projection. I just kept thinking, did they not realize he had gray in his beard in the last scene and all of a sudden he doesn't? Like right. I really – because the movie was so bad that by that point right. I was like, are you guys just that bad in making this? Right. No. Literally, Pete, when my I said it out loud and again irritated the people next to me. When he appears, he walks through the door and he appears to Leah. I literally said out loud, oh, he got a haircut. Because now his hair is not shaggy. It's short, just like the scene 
when Kylo Ren collapses the wall on him right. at the Jedi Academy. And it was just – and he looks completely different in the face. Yeah. So I don't know. He, the, what, the beard was dark again. It yep. was well-trimmed. Oh, that's what I said. I said to Andrew, I said, oh, he got a haircut and dyed his beard. I literally leaned over and said that. And 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 this is the thing is looking at all of these things, it was just lazy filmmaking. Yeah. It wasn't attention. Like you said, didn't anyone watch us? Kathleen Kennedy, are you listening to the Church Planner podcast right now? <laughs> you know? I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> are you hearing me? Because I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not one of those Star Wars fans. You can't touch my precious baby. I Hey, the people told me, oh, they throw you for a loop. Oh, I got to process this. Oh, there's a lot of twists. You know what the twists and turns were? Nothing important. No no reveals. Nothing that, like, destroyed the Force or destroyed Star Wars lore. Like, you didn't. You actually did all these twists and turns that weren't important. You staged a coup that didn't matter. So you spend all that time staging a coup that just immediately turns around and was pointless. And my prediction, I'm going to end on this. My prediction is this movie, you could literally skip it from seven to nine and you won't miss a thing. You just won't have Snoke in it. You don't need that explained. Hey, he didn't explain Jack in this movie. So he's proven to us you don't need to explain stuff in the next film. Unless Snoke so, is really alive or, you know, that creature that can – that uh, yeah. Sith that could keep coming back to life. That would be hey. great for me. Bring him back. Or Snoke was just a hologram projection the whole time, just like Luke. Yeah, but he wasn't. That's, oh, he wasn't. No, Rian Johnson is not that clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, you could. Pretend. You could do that. Yeah, yeah. Luke did it. I, I hated. Now. I hated how they killed Luke. I really did. I did not like, you know, he does this force projection and apparently that takes his life out of him. Yeah, it drains him. Why? Like, that doesn't even, that doesn't make any sense. Why? I don't know why, but I was cool with that. I was like, you know what? I, I wasn't I'm, because that's not the way that Luke would have gone out. Luke would have yeah. gone out fighting. Except Luke did go out. Okay, think of it this way. It's like he went out like Obi-Wan. This is what I like. But he didn't go he, out like Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan went out in a lightsaber battle. Yeah. Yeah. Luke went out sitting on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I'm, it's not even the same. Well, you, you know, you got a point there, but it still worked for me. And I liked how he's looking at the twin sons. That part. Was first, okay, that at, was an impactful moment. At first, there there was like a black mark over the sun. And I was like, is he seeing a spaceship coming yes, up? Yes. I thought the same thing. And then and then you realize, no, he's seeing two suns. And I'm like, could you not fix that? Because it looks like a spaceship's coming right. up. I thought the same thing. Like, oh, who's coming to see Luke right now? Right. The exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was all kinds of disappointing, my friend. And, you know, I. And guys, why didn't Chewbacca just eat the little creature in front of the other guys and be like, I know, hey, I dug that. Okay, hey. so that was funny. That was really funny. But he should have been like, <laughs> that would have made it I, better for me. I did think he was going to eat it anyways. Uh, Chewbacca would have totally eaten it. Totally eaten know? it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but he would have struggled with it. I got that, but then he would have eaten it. And I think that's what it is, my friend, is we've talked before that some of us are sea turtles and some of us are sharks. We can't have sea turtles direct Star Wars films. JJ Abrams was a shark. He directed just a bad to the bone Star Wars film. Sharks need to be directors, not sea turtles. No more sea turtles directing my films. 
I don't know where you came up with the sea turtle shark thing. Remember when we talked about our spirit animals? Oh, that's right. And I go, I'm a sea turtle. <laughs> you go, I'm a shark. And you're like, that explains so much about me Didn't and you. Didn't I say I was like a bear or something? I was like, no, nah, I think I'm more I think of a bear. you said you were a tiger or a lion or a shark or something like that. Didn't start but... some like, weird thing? I don't know. I think it's. Hey, yeah. I, I, I did interview a, a church planner today who told me, uh, and I think this was a secret message to pass on to you. Mi dragon is muy rapido. He's on episode 110. I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Well, the last 10 minutes were a decent film. Um, so if you do buy a ticket because you just think the last 10 minutes, just wait. You know, time it right. Walk in the last 10 minutes and you pretty much got all you need. Let me just sum it up. Slow space, ge- space chase. For Leia two trying hours. to get away. Ray goes to the, the, the island, tries to get Luke. Luke for about an hour and a half says no. And then at the last minute turns up and you can watch the last 10 minutes. And uh, I just literally filled you in on everything you need to know before the last 10 minutes. Great call with Leia out in space, right? (gasps) We didn't even talk about that. All of a sudden, she's like, oh, wait a second. I ain't dead because I can roll the window down on my spaceship. Not a problem. So she used a force field around herself in the forest to preserve herself, which is is doable in the forest. No, she, she didn't create that. She didn't. It showed her like basically dying, and then wait a second, I'm not dead. She didn't do the force. She did it. No, because then remember what happens. She sucks herself over to the door, and apparently yeah. the fact that that whole bridge has been blown out to space doesn't matter because they can still open up the door, let her through, right. and no one else gets sucked out. Right. No air gets sucked. I'm like, well, I think there was an airlock because there was. Uh, <coughs> I think there was an airlock. No, on the she other went side into the bridge. Right. She didn't go in through an airlock. There was no mm-hmm, airlock. Mm-hmm. Watch how stupid it is. Again. Yeah. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, like space I said, doesn't matter. Like I said, science. Yeah, space doesn't matter. But hey, matter. Pete, you know, I got to go because, uh, you know, I don't have uh, anyone to do my bookkeeping for me. What? No, no. But, you know, Pete, if if I did, it would save me so much more time to finish out this important annual episode of the Star Wars Church Planner podcast. Um, w- what could I do differently for next year? I think you need to go on over to simplifychurch.com. What will they do, Pete? Everything, including making your Star Wars movie the way it should be made. That's what Simplified Church does. And end of year tax receipts, which, by the way, is coming right up. If you don't know that, you got to give those to the IRS coming up in a month or two. If you don't know that end of the year tax receipts are coming up, you really need SimplifiedChurch.com. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, the IRS uh, definitely wants you to. The IRS frowns on you not turning in stuff like that. Yeah, they need to, they need to track all that money. And you don't need to. So go to SimplifyChurch.com. And with that, guys, thanks for joining us for the annual Star Wars episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Bubba Fett Mitchell and Peyton Jabba Homeboy Jones. And we will see you next week where we talk tons of smack talk and then we talk church planning. I got a bad feeling about this. Don't do that. What is thy bidding? my master. 
Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.